0: All right. So um like Less and less people every day. What's going on? All right. Well, um So we're going to we're going to start another another uh proof. If you recall, we're we're looking through um We've kind of been following along some some major proofs of God. Right? The first proof was a proof of cause that there is a cause. The first the next one was a uh, proof of design, and we went through several things about design. And um, and so this one I want to this is probably the one that's that's the most well this one in the next couple of topics is probably the diff, most difficult ones I think to to address with people that are non-believers because this is the challenges most of the time that you'll run into. Um, and uh, and that's that's the issue of morality. So where do your morals come from? So that's what I want to talk about. But before, just kind of reminder. All right. Why didn't it start up? Hmm. The battery must be dead. Does it go from that screen? Hmm. It's not working. Let me plug it back in real quick. Yeah, that'd be fine. Cause it's not gonna—I don't think it's gonna work. Let's uh, try one more time here. Something. Yeah. No, this isn't working at all. So just go ahead and advance that. Um, just want to remind you—we're starting with really First uh, Peter chapter three verse fifteen. that says, "Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that." asketh you of the reason of the hope that is within you of, with meekness and fear. So, how do you answer the question about where do your morals come from, or how do you how do you uh, how do you answer the question about why should your morals uh, be more important than somebody else's morals who don't believe in God? You guys know what morals are, right? Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit further. Let's go ahead and do the next one here. So, because what we're trying to get to the point of is is really answering. Or being able to get to the point of, of, of speaking to people about about their their salvation, the need for salvation, because the salvation of the lost is more important than than just arguing with people. Because we're not about arguing; we want to just be able to share what we believe. In Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-five and twenty-six says, "In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth." Because we want people to recognize that there is truth. I mean, what you have in your Possession as a believer is that God. God is the one that dis, that establishes morals. God is the one that provides the morals uh, that the world uh, uses. Even even people who don't believe in God really, actually, ex, uh, they exist using the morals that God has given to us in His Word. So, um, so whether they're an atheist or or a, or somebody who believes in God, everybody believes that we that morals are are important. So there's nobody that nobody in the world does lives without morals. The problem is that they disagree with where the morals come from. Where do you get your morals? anybody ever think about where you actually get your morals? Where do they come from? What what, what they what do they represent? So the moral argument uh, or the the uh, proof of uh, of God through morality is really just it's an important step in being able to talk to people, because these are the, this is when we get into the challenges of really trying to explain to people why God should be involved in their life, and we we'll to understand that. So, go ahead and flip the next one. So, you may not know who this guy is here, he, he lived a couple hundred years ago, he was a uh, German uh, philosopher, his name was uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, and he said this, you have your way, I have my way. As for what the right way is, it doesn't exist. So he says that there is no right way. How many of you agree with him? Is there a right way? Is there, I mean, there is a right way, right, to be, to live and to be human. Well, if there is a right way, we have to determine what that right way is. So even though he was a philosopher, he was wrong. He was nuts. So the question of right or wrong is really at the heart of really any kind of discussion about morality. What is right, what is wrong? How do we know this? So uh sometimes or always it's, it could be wrong. You know, there are things that are wrong, they're right sometimes, there are things that are wrong sometimes, and sometimes there are things that are just wrong all the time. Wouldn't you agree? They're just wrong all the time. So, for example, is it okay to torture babies? Right? So uh, some people say that torturing babies may be fine. So you know, how do you decide? Is my moral better than your moral? What about the, okay, in India, the country of India, they have a practice for a, okay, when, a, when a wife loses her husband, he dies for whatever reason. It has been for thousands of years in, in uh, India, the wife, they would, they, they would uh, cremate the body of the, the person that died, and the wife would be burned with him. Alive. Oh, yeah. Okay, that changes things when I say alive. Okay, so is that morally okay? What about priests who sexually abuse children and church authorities who cover that up? That's not a good thing. But, you know, obviously some people thought it was okay to do that, to abuse children. What about rape? Is rape okay? Is rape morally all right? How do we decide if murder is okay? Uh what about, what about uh, just any of those kind of things? Another man by the name of Oscar Wilde, he was a poet, an Irish poet, lived in the 1800s. He said this. Um, he said, uh, nothing succeeds like excess. Nothing is good or bad, only charming or dull. So there's no good, there's no bad. There's like, well, I, I like that or well, that's kind of a waste of my time. I'm bored with that. Or, wow, this is exciting. That's how he decided what was good or bad or wrong or right. So let me ask you this question based on his statement here. Is that charming or dull? That picture right there, in case you don't know what that is, that was back in World War II. That was uh, the Jewish concentration camps in Germany. And those are the people that they killed, the six million Jews, some of the six million Jews that died during World War II. Is that okay? Is that charming or dull or is that wrong? These are questions. These are valid questions, right? Because this is what your friends at school uh, and their parents, and maybe even your teachers, are asking. Well, that's not right. That's not wrong. I mean, and you know, how do we know what's right or what's wrong? Okay. What about declaring something is always wrong is the same as declaring that there is something called objective moral truth, and then the key word on that thing is the word objective. So. Um, to be objective is an, is an important understanding. Uh, so, if, mor- if morality is not a factor in human interaction, then how do you how do you gauge what's right? Isaiah, I don't think Isaiah is up here. Isaiah chapter five and verse two says, "Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter." for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do you ever, I mean, just think about that, right? Sometimes we, you know, we'll teach somebody here, take it, you know, taste this and it's supposed to be a piece of candy and it's got a sour, bitter taste to it. You know, and we laugh and we think that's funny. But, you know, some people say, well, that's good. You know, that's just an example. But but some people would would actually say evil is good and good is evil. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And, and they'll, they'll they'll switch things around like that. So there are very few people who will deny that some acts? I mean, probably almost every person in the world will tell you that there are there are some things that are just flat wrong, no matter who you are. Would you agree with that? There are just some things that are just flat wrong. Okay, so declaring something always right or wrong is it, is, is the same thing as saying there are objective moral values. So people people may. Uh, talk about relativism. You know what? Relative, anybody does not know what relativism means. Anybody know? You know what relativ? What is it? No. Really. Okay. So, um, relative is is it's it's the truth or the object is subject to something that is conditional. So, uh, um, do you like key lime pie and I don't. For example, okay, that's a relative truth. I mean, if to say that not everybody likes key lime pie is well, it's just relative to you because for you, you don't like it, but for me, or whatever. So, relative is conditional upon a subject interacting on it. Okay, where objective truth is, it means it is true regardless of the subject, regardless of the circumstances. It's always true. Objective is always. Uh, no matter what happens, it's it's the same, and it doesn't vary at all. So truth would be like fire, burns you. fire burns you. There's never a time when fire does not burn you, so that is objectively true, whereas uh, water coming out of the shower may be hot for some people and warm for somebody else, even at the same setting. That would be relative, okay? because it's subject to change. Okay, so when you watch people, though, react to being wronged, this is an interesting thing. When you watch people react to being wronged, it proves that they want and they recognize absolute authority, uh, uh, morality. So what do I mean by that? Okay, so think about this. If somebody was talking to you and said, well, your, moral, your morals are your morals or my morals are my morals, and it's, you know, it's whatever's relative, whatever's... Okay, so then ask them, well, would you like me to steal your money? No, stealing is wrong. Oh, so it's objectively wrong because you don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. Nobody wants it to happen. But, yeah, you say we have different morals. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so if you steal something from somebody who is a relative, that's, you know, that that is a relative in, in their morals, or you let them be the victim of false advertising, you watch how they respond. Watch what happens when... Uh, when their husband or their wife is is relatively faithful versus being absolutely faithful okay nobody wants to be married to uh a a husband or wife when that husband or wife is sometimes not quite always faithful everybody wants to have a completely faithful husband or wife or um otherwise they would just you know, there would be no guidance or anything. Okay, so what is the nature of morality? Here's some things for your blanks in your handout. First thing is moral norms are, no, are known. So what is normal? What, a, what is a moral, normal thing? to is, it's, it's known. Everybody knows it. Um, if it were not known, then we'd all be skeptics about things. Number two is that morals are not physical. You cannot discover morals with the five senses. This is different than when we talked about fossils and cells and and uh, you know we talked about the bombardier beetle and we talked about the the giraffe and the circulatory system and all that. Those are physical things that prove God. This is not physical. Morals are not a physical thing. They are contained within the behavior patterns of human beings. Not only that, but morals also, are a form of communication. And they're found in the form of a command. Alright, so think about the Ten Commandments, for example. Thou shalt not, and then you fill in the blank, whatever the commandment you're looking at. That's a moral command. So it's a form of communication that is in the form of a command. Like, for example, John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, Keep my commandments. That's a command. Keep my commandments. Okay, so the fourth one is that morals are. They there there is a the word is incumbency. And what I basically mean by incumbency, there is an expectation or a requirement to uh, to to act. There is a how, let's, let me put it this way. There's an oughtness. You probably never heard the word oughtness, but you probably have heard you ought to do that. Right When somebody like your dad or your mom says you ought to do that, that is a it's incumbent upon you to do the right thing, otherwise your parents are going to punish you. You ought to, or you're compelled to act in Hebrews chapter two and verse one says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. We ought to do this. We ought to listen to the Bible. That's a compelling it's incumbent upon us to do that. That's a moral incumbency. Number five, when we break or we violate a moral rule, it's accompanied with with guilt. You're always guilty when you, I mean, you just feel guilty. You may not accept that you're guilty, but there's guilt in violating a, a, a moral. Uh, David wrote in Psalm chapter 51 and verse 4, he said, Against thee... Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in, the sight, in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. So what David is saying there is, I'm guilty because I have violated the morals of God. That's, anytime you sin, when you commit a sin, you're, you're breaking a moral of God. You're violating His moral standard. Okay, so that all makes sense? So where do morals come from? There's four sources, there's four ways that, you, that people argue about where morals come from. And we have to look at, we want to look at each one of those. The first one is the universe. Uh, that's a possibility, that the universe just produces morals. Okay, so if a person does not believe in God, they believe in creation, or they do not believe in creation, but they believe in evolution, they don't believe that there is a God, so they Pretty much probably believe that morals just, they're just kind of out there in the universe and we just happen to live, you know, live among the morals. Um, Number two might be the individual. Okay, so each person establishes their own morality. Oh, so you do what you do, I do what I do, and don't bother me, I won't bother you. That would be my morals and your morals and just an individual. But that doesn't really work in society, it doesn't work in the school system. You can't just go and do whatever you want to do. You can't run around in the classroom because you feel like running. You have to listen to the rules. So you can't just do what you want to do. So individual morals really don't work. Okay? Uh, What about society or culture? Um, Because this this is the charge today with the way our culture has been changing around the country. The group decides what the moral is going to be. The group makes that decision. Or the fourth opportunity or the fourth choice would be the creator God, who is the source of all things that exist. Remember we talked about that? Everything that begins to exist has a beginning, and that beginning is God. So if morals had a beginning, so that that beginning of those morals is going to be God. Okay, so let's talk about the first one again, the, the universe. What I mean by the universe is that the objective moral values and duties were part of an evolutionary path, so they, morals just evolved. That would be one thing, that there are some people that believe that, So they just think that they just show up, and you just discover them by living. The problem with this idea, the problem with the, with the universe providing the morals, is that that's pretty much random and purposeless universe, right? If, if evolution is true, It's just random. There's no purpose. It just kind of happens. So if the evolutionary processes that are involved in our development, then how is it that a random universe can produce uh, morals? How can that happen? Where do they even come from? The the failure is is that um, if it's not in our DNA, then there really isn't any any morals if the universe is, is the one that created it. There's just no possibility. It just doesn't work. But every one of us have the same understanding of morals. So we know the universe isn't. The universe can't be the source of morals. What about the individual? Let's talk about that one again. How do you decide between differing moral opinions if each individual is the ultimate decision maker of what is good and bad? If you decide what's good and I decide that it's bad, who gets to be the one that makes the, the, the true decision? Right? If... If you can say, well, this is right, and I say, no, no, that's wrong, who settles the argument? See, individuals, it just doesn't work. How does a statement, for, for example, for me, rape is wrong, but hey, but for you, it might be okay. Does that even make sense? When we've already determined that rape is an objective wrong to be doing anyway. So with individual people, everything boils down to emotion and emotive responses to morals. Without a moral, global, absolute. So if you don't have an absolute, it's just whatever you want it to be. But then it gets really confusing because then you've got chaos in society. Uh, well, what about society? Well, let me talk about that again. So, Okay, so today, the way our society is today, what's the, what's the biggest moral thing that's happening in the public? Anybody got an idea in the last two years, let's say? abortion or gay, rights. or gay rights both of those big big topics big big topics so what is what does the culture society say about abortion and about gay rights that it's okay hmm? that it's okay that it's okay okay but is it does the bible say it is the bible says it's not so so here's the problem though with 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 the culture providing the opportunity for, for it to be right. What about, what about people that reject the culture? For example, there was a time, 10, 15 years ago, when gay rights, gay marriages, everybody was against gay marriage. So was that the morals then? Now the moral changed. Well, then they're not absolute, are they? Because they're always changing. If the culture decides what the, right, what, the, what the objective moral is, well, if they decide what the moral is, then it's not objective because it changes on the whim of the, of the society. If culture is the source of the objective morals, here's some things that are going to be acceptable. Widow burning would be acceptable. It would be morally acceptable in a culture that does it. See, think about India. The country that does it on a regular basis, although today it's outlawed, there's still practices in, in remote villages. They still do it. Is it okay? Is it, a, is it a moral right in India to do it just because the culture's always done it? No, I mean just because they've done it all the time doesn't make it right. You probably heard that from your parents. Just because you know playing in the streets fun doesn't mean it's the right thing to be doing. No? Okay. What about cannibalism? Do you ever know what cannibalism is? Eating human flesh. Okay, so there are cultures that do that. So does that make it morally right just because that culture does it? So this culture doesn't eat humans. We don't eat dogs either, but there are cultures that eat dogs. Does that make it okay? I don't know. What about murder? Can murder be morally acceptable? There's a. So there was a tribe of of. Um, People in uh, Ecuador in the 1950s that um, you may have heard, um, Jim Elliott and the men, that the missionaries that he was with, he was speared. They went down there, they landed on a, on a river, uh, on the sandbar, and they went to, to try to reach this unreached tribe of people that, with the gospel. And they got speared, meaning they got killed, because it was common practice if you didn't like what was happening, you just speared somebody. You stabbed them with a spear and killed them. That's a movie. It is a movie. Beyond the spear, yeah, but it's about their life. That culture, that's what they did. Murder was acceptable. That's what they did. It was pretty common. But that doesn't make moral. That doesn't make it right. Rape, we know. The, uh, torturing babies, any of those kind of things that we said earlier that were bad, now all of a sudden they could be okay because some culture may accept it. So there's only one thing, uh, there's only one thing that makes sense, and that is a transcendent creator God. So the universe doesn't work. I think if you hit the slide, yeah, just hit the slide. Yeah, so the universe doesn't work, the society doesn't work. Individuals don't work. The only thing that's going to work is, an, is a transcendent God who covers all cultures and all societies equally all around the world. Okay, so what is the motivation for, mo, for having morality? What is our motivation? Why should we have morals? Everybody knows who Solomon is, right? In the Bible? Okay, Solomon was David's son. Dave, King David. When King David... Uh, was ready to, to pass off the earth and die. He gave his son Solomon the kingdom, and, and then he became the, really, he was the, the uh, wisest and richest man that ever lived, according to the Bible. And he said this, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, verse 12, chapter 12 or verse 13. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So our responsibility is to do what God said. That's the moral imperative that we have, is to do what God said. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, he said, But godliness with contentment is great gain. So here we have these two verses, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that tell us that we are supposed to be like God, to listen to his word and do what he said. That's where we get our morals at. Um When we look at the Old Testament and look at the New Testament, it brings us to an understanding that God desires that we live according to His Word. That's just what we see, because that's what he, has. he says. it. I don't know if anybody's ever counted up how many times God says, you should obey my Word in some way or another, but probably, literally, I would say hundreds of times He is telling us to listen to what He has to say. Solomon says, fear God and keep His commandments. Paul says, live life in a godly way and be content about it. So living in accordance with God and His Word can be described as living a moral life. So when you live a life of moral uprightness, absolute moral behavior, you're living according to the Word of God. But you know what happens? The atheists will disagree with Solomon, they will disagree with Paul, they will disagree with you. And so they seek to find their... Fulfillment of their life and duty, they don't look in the they don't look in scripture. They look among themselves. They've concluded that behavioral matters are not defined by God, and in fact, they would argue that morality is just another example of the evidence that God does not exist. But morals are the evidence that God does exist. The fact that there is a standard, there is a absolute of morality that says that God exists. So, here let me ask you this question. Can we really honestly be good without God? Because we don't know what good means without God. Because then we have to define good by our own standard, and we don't even have a good standard to model that. What does it actually mean to be good anyway? Does anybody ever wonder? Your parents say, you know what, you just need to be good. What does that actually mean, be good? Anybody got an idea? What does it mean to be good? I want to hear an answer. Somebody. Obey your parents. Okay, that's a good thing. Obey your parents. Uh, anything else? What about another one? What does it mean to be good? Love people. Love people. All right. Come on. He's got all the answers over here. Somebody else has got to have an answer here. Uh, give me one more. Donate. Donate. Yeah. I don't know. What are you donating to, and why? Um, Children's Mercy Medical Supplies. Okay. Well, that, that's a good act. Yeah. But why would you want to do that? Why would you want to be good and do that? Because it pleases God. That's a good reason. Maybe God is wanting. You know, you want to please God. God says that we should help people who need help. We should we should reach out and and uh, take care of other people. So we want to do it by giving donations to Children's Mercy Hospital, that pleases God, so that's a good thing. Every one of us have values. We decide how we live. We decide what is right, what is wrong, what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. So those are are some values that we have, but are they just based on what the society, what culture, what the TV says we're supposed to do, but how binding, how much, how how, how strict are they actually going to be, these, these morals that society says? What is the foundation for them anyway? Okay, so just asking the question, can we be good without God, actually makes people angry. You know why? Because when you ask that question, they imply that if, they're, if they don't believe in what they claim, is when you say to somebody, you can't be good without God, what you're actually saying to them, they think anyway, is that they're not a good person because they don't believe in God. And too often Christians are attacked for making those kind of claims and they and then so non-believers say that we're arrogant so then we don't want to talk about morals so the question the next slide here uh, it's up there it's up there okay so the question then can we be good without God is not the same thing as saying can people be good without a belief in God so you so there's two different things there of course the answer to that question is yeah you can be good without God it's just that that's not the right place for determining what a moral is. Uh, Anybody can live a good life. right? I mean, there's a lot of people that live good lives. They don't get themselves in trouble. They don't commit crimes. They can behave in an upstanding moral fashion without God being in their life. But that's not the question. The question ultimately really is this. If there was a moral value and duty, are they objective and what is their source? Because we're talking about, are we proving God? We're not trying to define people's morals for them we're trying to say there are objective morals and those morals come from God but if you recall a couple weeks well when we first started this we talked about the way that an argument can be presented in and in what we termed was a syllogism and so it's basically three statements for morals if God does not exist then objective moral values and duties do not exist but objective morals and duties do exist therefore God exists Okay, so that's pretty simple. Morals exist, so God exists. Those are some more blanks on your hand out there. If God does not exist, then objective morals and values and duties do not exist, but objective morals, because we already define, let me make make sure we're we're still on the same page. What is an objective moral? What does it mean to be objective? It's true, everywhere. true everywhere. objective, right? The other, the opposite of that would be either relative or subjective, meaning it is that it's based on some other and some other external um, input. Okay, so another way to state this argument would be: laws imply a lawgiver. There is an objective moral law, therefore there is a moral lawgiver, and that would be God. Ephesians chapter four, verses one and. Verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. So you're called to do something. You are supposed to walk worthy of this thing. So there's two important distinctions that we need to understand. Values, something is either good or bad. That would be a value. Right? Something is good or something is bad. And duties, something is either right or wrong. So what you do is right or wrong. That's a duty. And what you, what's how you... See value, see worth in that, that is whether it's good or good or bad, okay? Um, they may seem the same, but they're really, they, they actually have distinct d- differences. So duties, duties have to do with an obligation to do right, while values have have a uh, sense of what it's worth. So does that make sense? Duties have to do with what you're going to do, an obligation to do something, and values have to do with what it's worth. So a good, and right or bad and wrong may seem like they're referring to the same thing, they're really not. So, for example, um, you are not morally obligated to do something just because it is good for you. you know, just because it's good doesn't mean you're okay. So, how many people actually exercise every day? Or just one person? Oh, come on. Okay, a couple people. Every day? I mean, every single day? Okay, I don't. Exercise good for you? Okay, so, but I don't exercise every day, so it's, I'm not obligated to exercise, but it is a good thing for me. Okay, so there's a difference there between, so, so I'm not morally obligated to do something just because it's good. Uh, for example, you could become a doctor. Being a doctor is a good thing, but you're not morally obligated to become a doctor, right? Um, okay, so good versus bad has to do with something's worth. Is it worth something or is it not? Right versus wrong has to, be, has to do with something being obligatory or uh, that you're, that's the right thing to do. So duties is an obligation. You have an obligation to not hurt people. You have an obligation not to commit a crime. You have an obligation not to uh, murder somebody. Uh, why? Because it's not good. It's a bad thing to do. There's value there because you're taking somebody's life who has value. Is that all making sense? You guys following this? Okay. 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 So, traditionally, moral values have been based in God who is the highest good. So, moral values equal the worth of a person. That's what goes in the next blank. Moral values equal the worth of a person or an action as either good or bad. To say that there is an objective moral value is to say that something is good or bad, uh, no matter what the person thinks about it. To say it's objective and it's good doesn't matter what everybody thinks. It's, it's objectively good or it's objectively bad, it, it, no matter what a person thinks about it. It's, the value of it is that it is that it is either good or bad and it's objective. Without God... Where do you get the value that you have as a human being? Where does that value come from? Anybody else? Anybody idea? Where does the value of a human being come from? Are you valuable? Are you valuable? Who says you're valuable? God. You get your value from God. Now, what's the value there? How much are you worth? Come on. His Son. You're worth Jesus Christ. That's how much you're worth. Okay? He died on the cross for your sins. He he paid the price. He thought you were worth it. Okay? He died for you. He did something that was objectively good, moral, to save you. So it's moral to save somebody. Right? So He did something that was good. So without God... You have no value, and humanity has no value. You're just nothing. You're no better than the dirt that's out there on the earth. I mean, you're just there. You have no value. Naturalism holds to this very idea. So to think that we are any better than any other creature, um, that's just weird if, if there is no God. Um, okay, so traditionally, moral, val- or moral duties... So we just talked about moral values. Now, moral duties are based in God's commandment. So moral duties equal the obligation to act in a certain way, whether right or wrong. So if you you act this way, if it's right, don't act that way if it's wrong. Okay, so we're still talking about objective. Objective moral values and objective moral duties. So to say that there are objective moral duties is to say that certain things are right to do and certain things are wrong to do. Okay, so if there's no God... What is the basis for you deciding that this is right or wrong to do? Who gets to decide if this is right? The, our society today says that gay marriage is is right. But who are they? They're just a bunch of people. Do you agree with them? I don't. So who gets to decide? Is it them or is it me? Who gets to make the decision? See, if there's no God, then there's really no, no ultimate decision maker. Let me ask you this question. Okay, so is murder wrong? Is killing wrong for the sake of killing? Okay, so if a, if a lion in Africa kills a zebra, is that murder? Oh, says so, so now it's different. But that's still killing. One animal killed another animal. Okay, but if there's no God, then you're just an animal killing an animal. You kill your neighbor because you want his boat. Well, whatever. I mean, it's okay because there's no God, right? See, that's why his objective moral values are so important. Certain actions such as rape and incest and all those kind of God-awful things may not be biologically or socially advantageous. Over time, they become a taboo, but that doesn't show that these acts are actually wrong. What shows that they're wrong is that God says that they're wrong. Everybody understand that. So, what is an objective moral? What is an objective moral? we're almost done. I want to make sure you guys, because this is something maybe you hadn't thought about. But if you get talking about somebody about morals, you got to know what an objective moral is. What is it? Anybody? Come on. Absolute. Hmm? Not changing. Not changing. It's complete. It's absolute. Objective. Not. Subject to something else. It is the same. It is right no matter what. Or it's wrong no matter what. That's an objective moral. Okay, so that's objective moral. That's the covered thing. But then you have objective moral values, which talks about worth, good or bad. And then you have objective moral duties, which talks about whether it's right or wrong. Okay? You have a duty to do the right thing. Wouldn't you agree with that? You have a duty to do the right thing. Now, what happens when somebody does the wrong thing? Did they break a moral value and a moral duty? They violated a moral right. So, the Bible says, for example, um, let me think of one. The Bible says, honor thy mother and father. Okay? Now, that's a moral duty. Because God said to do it. Now, is that just for some kids or is that for every kid? every kid? Okay, so it's objective then, right? It's no matter who it is, no matter what the circumstances, we're supposed to honor mother and father. When we don't do that, we violated God's word. What is the three-letter word that we call that when we violate God's word? Sin. sin. Okay, so sin is violating God's objective moral values and duties. Okay, does that make sense? So when somebody's talking to you now about morals, like, well, that's just your morals because you're a Christian, but my morals are different because I'm not a Christian, what are you going to say to them? Oh, okay. No. So you're going to say, well, no, morals are not subjective you don't get to pick and choose your morals. Morals come from God. And they're objective. They're either right or wrong. They're either good or bad. Okay? They can't be just whatever you want it to be. Every person in the world has morals. Every person in the world has objective morals, even though they don't want to admit it. Some people, they say, well, my morals are just whatever I want it to be. Then you say, "Well, okay, I'm going to I'm going to come in in the middle of the night and rob you. Is that okay? No, I don't want to be robbed. Well, then so then stealing is bad because I say it's good. Oh no, stealing is bad for everybody. Oh, then that's an objective moral, and now you've you've cornered them into having to admit that there is a moral, there is an objective moral value and duty that that the world runs by. Okay." There are some challenges, though. There are some people that will throw up an argument with you. Now, I just want to present a couple of them. One of them says that morals just exist as self-existent ideas. Well, that doesn't even make sense. Um, Another philosopher that lived in about uh, 300 uh, A.D., his name was Plato. He said that good just exists. Good just exists. How could good just exist? How do we even define good? How do we know what good is if we don't have an ultimate good? That that good would be God. So there's no basis for moral values in that. Instead, they just seem like to be whatever a person chooses. And then there's one more called the, the Pharaoh dilemma. And this is about God. And this is I want this is you got to go home thinking about this one. Okay, we're just going to give it to you. I want you to I, I want you to really think about it. You probably won't, but I really want you to. Is something good because God says it is? Or is something good, is God, is it good and then God just calls it good? Does God approve something because it's good? That's, you see, let me hit the back up with, the, with the P key for just a minute. The, hit the P, the letter P. Okay, now I'll, I'll hit the space bar one more time. Okay, stop right there. Okay, so is something good because God says it is, then that means that the good is arbitrary, or does God approve something because it is good? Is he just identifying what is good? That's the dilemma that this guy thought about. Okay, so now go ahead and click the next one. So if something is if something if God calls something good because it's already good, then that makes the good independent of God. Okay, does, so this is a this is like a mind-bending dilemma that we have here. Okay, so which, is, the, which is, it? is it? Is it good because God says it is? Or is, it, or is God just saying that it's good because he saw it as good? Which one is it? Well, it's neither one, actually. Because God's will, something, because he is good. God says something is good because he compared it to himself and he said it is good because I'm good. he is the standard for what is good. God is that standard. God's nature is what grounds absolute moral right and wrong. God has no obligations to anything outside of himself. He simply acts and what he naturally does is good because it comes from him. So whatever God does is good. Can you think of anything that God does that is bad? God doesn't do bad things. There is no bad nature in God. There is no sin nature in God. He does everything right because he is right so he is he is the example of good so this question well it's on the other screen now so god is the greatest possible being god's nature is what grounds absolute moral right and wrong god has no obligations he simply acts and what he does or what he says is good okay so these are these are things that you as you're all old enough to be starting to think about these kind of things cuz you're going to be rolling into college and into get out of high school and going into dealing with people outside of your own immediate family. You're going to be dealing with these things, and people have morals. They think that they, they, they can identify and define how they're going to live, and you just have to accept what they're doing because they've chosen their morals. But the Bible is very clear. You and I have objective morals. Everybody has objective morals, both values and duties, because God says so. And he is the one that defines for us. You can't define what is right and what's wrong. You can't define what is good and what's bad, except by looking at God first. So these are things that are important for you guys to think about. So well, next week what we're going to talk about is evil. Because now we have morals. Okay, so morals help us define what is evil. What do you do about evil? Have you ever heard the question, challenge, or maybe you've talked to somebody says, well, if God is so good, why is there evil in the world? Have you ever heard that? Okay, so we're going to answer that question next week. If God is so good, why is there evil in the world? Yeah, I like that. Because <sighs> I don't have time. Otherwise, I'd do it all right now. All right, so we're done. And um, we'll finish up with prayer. And uh, now you can go home and tell your parents, God says this is good or bad, or God says this is right or wrong, because he is, he is uh, yeah, got to honor you, because he is objectively right. Father in heaven, Lord, we do praise you and thank you for tonight. and We praise you for, for the reality of objective morals, objective values, objective duties that tell us what we should and shouldn't do, what, we, what kind of person we're supposed to be. And we base it in your word. And we're thankful for that, Father. And we have the example of how much you love us because you've given us these things. When you had given us the example of value, you help us to understand that we have intrinsic value in your eyes. You see us for who we are. And we praise you for it. I pray that you give every one of us tonight that are here the opportunity to maybe even talk to our parents, talk to our brothers and sisters, talk to our friends at school about morals and about what it means to be moral and objective morals. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.